God, we thank you that we can come before you today as the risen Savior. We thank you that you are alive. The history proves it, but our lives prove it. Because you've placed your life in us. You've brought us out of the grave too. So we glory in your resurrection. We glory in your power. We glory in your love. We glory in your greatness. We live for you.
And I think about the cross, and I think about when when Jesus was laid on that cross, and that Roman soldier was driving the nails through his hands. And I think about their eyes meeting, the soldier's eyes full of hatred and malice, and Jesus' eyes full of love and compassion. And then I think about how the soldier one day will have to stand before that throne. I mean, that's just, it's just amazing. It's just amazing. So, Father, we just thank you today for all that you've done. Father, for all that you continue to do in our lives. We just thank you for shedding your blood, for loving us enough, Father, to be the propitiation for our sins, for redeeming us, Lord God, for for reconciling us back to the Father. Thank you for making a way, as only you could. Only your blood could have done this. And so again, we thank you, Lord, and we worship you. We praise you, Father. We give you all praise and all glory. As you sit on the throne in all your blaze of holiness, thou art a consuming fire. Oh, Lord, we thank you. We thank you. And we praise you, Lord. Oh, Father, as we get ready for communion, bless us this day. Bless the message that will go forth. Let this message be transforming to those that are lost. Let this message be healing to those that need healing. Let this message be deliverance to those that need to be delivered, Father. For it's in your name, your precious name that we pray. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.
Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Impact Church. My name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here. It's an honor to have you here with us today. We have some exciting events coming up, so check it out. Hey, guess what? You're correct. You can engage with us during prayer on Tuesdays and Saturdays. On Tuesdays, it's at 7 a.m. via the phone. And on Saturdays at 6 p.m. via Zoom. To find out how to sign in on them platforms, go to our Facebook page or give us a call. We'll see you there. Hey, what's up, millennials? Yes, I'm talking to you, young adults. We will be going live on Facebook at 6 p.m. on Thursdays. We will be talking about faith over fear. Tune in. We'll see you there. What's going on, Student Ministries? We miss you guys. We miss your face. We can't wait to see you again. However, we can still stay connected through social media. So Impact Kids, we have many messages and science projects uploaded at 7.30 p.m. on Wednesdays. And for our Impact Youth, we have invaded Instagram and Facebook. We will be going live on Fridays at 6 p.m. We will see you guys there. Hey, what's up, everyone? We've had a lot of questions about how to give. Well, that's a great question. I have two options for you. First is you can go to our website and give online. Or you can give by sending in your check to the address below. We love you guys, and we can't wait to see your face again. Well, thanks for checking out our amazing announcements. If you would like to stay connected with us throughout the week, check us out on Facebook or Instagram. We'll see you later. for the resurrection, I definitely would not be here. I think back of my own personal resurrection when God so came to me in such a, an incredible way and I had such a radical transformation to, to follow after God. And those that knew me back in that day will certainly probably remember. But that's the old, right? And we're out with the old and in with the new. But today is Resurrection Sunday and, and the resurrection changed everything. Do we understand that? I don't think sometimes, you know, Easter resurrection gets locked up in all this Easter bunny and hunting eggs and chickens and all this other stuff. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, although I think that we should remember what it's all about. It's not about bunnies. It's not about Easter eggs. It's not about chicks in a basket. It's about Jesus coming out of a tomb, isn't it? And today is that day, and our faith rests entirely on the resurrection. The Christian faith is entirely based upon the resurrection. Without the resurrection, there would be no Christian faith. And the resurrection is the only good news that we have to offer. Otherwise, we would be like every other faith, every other religion. And I want to read out of 1 Corinthians 15 just, just to start. And, and Paul, this is a beautiful passage on the importance of the resurrection and what it means to us. And, and it says, in, starting with verse 12, it says, The message we preach is Christ who has been raised from the dead. That is our message. Christ has been raised from the dead. Not that he was a good man, not that he was a good prophet, not that he was a good teacher, but Christ is raised from the dead. So how could any of you possibly say there is no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no such thing as a resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. 
And if Christ has not been raised, all of our preaching has been for nothing, and your faith is useless. Moreover, if the dead are not raised, that would mean that we are false witnesses who are representing God. And that would mean that we have preached a lie stating that God raised him from the dead, if in reality he didn't. If the dead aren't raised up, that would mean that Christ has not been raised up either. And if Christ is not alive, you and I are still lost in our sins and our faith is a fantasy. This is out of the Passion Translation. It would also mean that those believers in Christ who have passed away have simply perished. If the only benefit of our hope in Christ is limited to this life on earth, we deserve to be pitied more than all the others. But the truth is Christ is risen from the dead as the first fruit of a great resurrection harvest of those who have died. For since death came through a man, Adam, it is fitting that the resurrection of the dead has also come through a man, Jesus Christ. This is the significance of of resurrection. And I want to talk today about, just, I'm going to give you four points on the significance. You know, I'm a teacher, so I like to give you points. So, tell you, And then the notes are on our podcast. I, they'll be up on our uh, website sometime. Pastor Zach will get that done. But we have to understand that the resurrection is more than just a historical event. Just like we looked at last week at Passover, it's more than just a historical event. The resurrection released a transforming power called the new birth. It released that trend. There is no other religion that contains an inherent power to transform the lives of mankind like the resurrection of Jesus did. So the significance of the resurrection, point number one, is it initiated the new birth. And you know, Jesus said in John 3, 3, unless a man is born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. How many of us, before we were born again, wanted anything to do with God? How many of us wanted to show up at church on Sunday morning other than being gri- driven by guilt? Right. I remember when I was a kid and well, I was more than a kid. I guess I was old enough to drive. And and I remember I would feel guilty for not going to church on Sunday. This was before I was born again. And I found this little church near the house that I would go to just to ease my guilt because he didn't have an altar call. And I knew I didn't have to make a decision. So I would go once in a while on Sunday mornings just to get the guilt off. And then I would feel okay. I could come back on on Sunday afternoon. I was good then. Okay, I'd made my trip to church. But let me tell you, when God gets hold of your heart, that's not enough. When you've experienced that new birth, when you know that God Almighty lives inside of you, there's nothing's going to hold you back from being with the people of God, is there? But he said in John 3, 3, unless a man is born again, he cannot even see the kingdom of God. You know, and as, as being born again believers, we can partake of the kingdom. Jesus came and preached the message of the kingdom, didn't he? That's the message we have is the message of the kingdom. It's not the message of the the Pentecostal, the Baptist, the Presbyterian, the Lutheran. It's not that. It's the message of the kingdom that Jesus Christ was born. He died. He was raised from the dead. And we have that resurrection power of the kingdom living inside of us. First Peter 1, 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. It's the most incredible experience anyone can experience is that of the, re- the new birth. It's a total transformation of the heart, the mind, the passions of a person. I can remember when I was born again, it was like someone walked into my life and turned the lights on. And they truly did because I had been living in darkness. That's what Jesus does. He is the light of the world. And that power, that, that spirit man is life by the resurrection power and the lights do come on. What if there were no new births? What would we look like? Let me tell you what we would look like if there were no new births. 
Jesus would be Jesus of Nazareth, not Jesus the anointed one. If there were no new births, listen to this. Now, this is Donna Wise's definition, so it's a little bit, might be a little bit hard. If there were no new births, then there would be no true church, and church would be a meeting of fools gathered in institution worshiping a lifeless dead God while feeding to others a lie of hope as everyone continues to die in their sin. Let me read that again. If there were no new births, there would be no true church, and the church would be a meeting of fools gathering in institutions, worshiping a lifeless dead God while feeding to others a lie of hope as everyone continues to die in their sins. This is really a paraphrase of 1 Corinthians 15 that I just read. Church would be just another man-made club that exists for the benefit and the profit of man alone. And church is not here because Jesus died. Churches are here because Jesus was raised from the dead. Churches are here because he was raised from the dead. And instead of life-bearing organisms that turn cities upside down, we would have legalistic man-run organizations that have no power, make no change in, in the lives of people. But churches are places where believers dwell. The church of Jesus Christ is not a building. It's a group of people who've been called out by God, who've been touched by the power and the presence of Almighty God. If no one gets born again, there are no churches. Their sin would be rampant. We do what seems right in our own eyes, and our only restraint would be civil law. Point number two, the significance of resurrection is it releases a new power. It releases a new power. Acts 1 and 8, Jesus says that that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you from on high. It's going to be a power, a dunamis power. And that word means supernatural power. It's a transforming power. So it releases a new power, unlike any that had ever seen. Jesus says it's important that I go away, that I can send the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we need the power, right? Jesus did everything he did with the Holy Spirit. We need Holy Spirit. Philippians 3.10 says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. How many believers are walking in the power of resurrection? How many believers are walking with a transforming power that changes things when you walk into a room? You know, when God shows up, things happen, right? Things change. I told you the story about my friend out of Texas last week who a guy just followed her around and, and she said, what are you wanting? And he said, I want what you have. And that's what we should be as believers. We should be attracting those out of, in darkness because darkness needs the light. Amen. We should, be, we should be calling those forth that are in darkness. We should be offering hope to the world. And in the time of the coronavirus, we should be the ones with the message of hope. We shouldn't be one that's out, woe is me, oh, moaning and groaning and complaining. And we're going to lose it all and we're going to die and all the businesses are going under and the churches are going to die. We shouldn't be doing that. Our hope isn't, this didn't catch God by surprise, by the way. I think what he's doing, I think he's redefining a few things. I think he's reinventing a few things. And I think he's giving people some options. And I also think he's giving people an idea of what's really important in life. We talk among, you know, we've got, well, we're going to have 10 here today, right? That's all we're allowed to have. But we've been talking about how much we miss our church family. Even the guys are saying it. I miss my church family. They don't want you to know it because it's not macho. But I want, to, I want to see our church family. But we have that new resurrected power. Listen to this, Ephesians 1, 19 through 20. And this is for every person here, every person listening. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? See, this is, this is for us. 
according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. He's saying that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you and to me. Well, what's that power for? To express and to expand God's kingdom in the earth. We've been given all authority, all power. Acts 17, 6, let me tell you what the disciples did. Let's see if we're doing this today. He said, these men have turned this world, who have turned this world upside down have come here also. See, we should, be, we should be those people that are turning our cities upside down. We're turning our businesses upside down. We're turning our schools upside down instead of vice versa, right? We have the power to live that resurrected life. We have that power. And I want to ask us, how much power are you showing? How much power are you exhibiting? We have the resurrection power for the spirit man to rule over the flesh. Who's winning in your life? Is your flesh winning or is your spirit man winning? We have the power over sin. See, we're not in bondage to the devil anymore. We can't say the devil made me do it. No, you have the power through, the, through that resurrection power of Christ and that cleansing of the blood to be washed. We do not have to give in to sin any longer. We're not slaves to sin. We have power for ministry to carry on the work of Christ in the earth. We also have power to be obedient to his will. How many of us have, have thought or heard or even heard someone say, well, I know God wants me to do this, but I'm really afraid or I don't know how it's going to work or I, I got this responsibility. So we have power over, we have power to do the will of God in our life. We have power to say yes. We also have power to be overcomers. Overcomers in a corona virus situation overcomers in an economic decline overcomers when our children are are not doing what we think they should do overcomers when our marriages fall apart so we don't fall apart we we look to god who holds us together right and so we can say that because our spirit man is empowered the spirit man rules we can say that we have the ability to walk victoriously we can say i have been crucified with christ nevertheless i live We can say I consider myself dead to sin. We can say that I'm more than a conqueror. We can say that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can say that I have power because the Holy Spirit has come upon me and enabled me to be the witness I'm supposed to be. I can say that I've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. We have been equipped for victory. Every spiritual, that's another message altogether. You and I have been given every blessing in the spiritual realm there's nothing left that we don't have available to us we can say that we have this treasure in these earthly vessels what is that treasure it's the power of almighty god it's the holy spirit and we know that resurrection power as i said a moment ago with the book of acts it changes cities and it changes nations there's this great book by alvin schmidt called how christianity changed the world it was written about 200 it's a great research uh, 2000 it was a great research piece that he did and let me just, uh, just, you need to get the book and read it, but let me, just, let me just tell you, just pull out some of the highlights. This is what he said. He said, Jesus has the power to transform men who in turn are able to transform society. This is resurrection power. This doesn't come from old dead religion. See, this doesn't come from three, three hymns and a message that doesn't do anything and people walk out of church the same as they came in. It comes from a resurrected life. He says, so we have the power to change men who also has the power to change society. Listen to this. He says, in every area, be it law, government, economics, the fine arts, science, education, or health care, the Christian faith has contributed enormously to the overall well-being of mankind. And in his book, it goes in great detail. Just a couple of things. The church was the first people 
to establish hospitals. So health care. Women were elevated to respect and dignity by the Christian faith. Unfortunately, some have lost that, right? The first established libraries and schools were done by the church. The church initiated protection of workers' rights based on biblical principles. The church also stood for equality and human rights that was passed along to our government. It was originated by the church. The church, the rise of modern science was due to a biblical understanding of the world, by the way. And biblical views of morality replaced the perversion and the licentiousness of the world based on Christian values. The whole issues of abortion and, and homosexuality and all these things that were rampant in nations when the church came in, the church became a, a, vo- a voice and a force. These things were put in line with what the word of God has to say. We're losing that in our nation. We need to get back to what the word of God has to say. Let me read you another quote. It says, the bottom line, as Schmidt notes, is that if Jesus had never been born, to speak of Western civilization would be incomprehensible. Indeed, there may never have been such a civilization. The freedoms and benefit we enjoy in modern culture are directly due to the influence of this one man. This one man. And he says, and besides all the institutional, cultural, social, political, and artistic benefits, there is one last benefit. The countless millions of changed lives due to a liberating encounter with the risen Christ. Every one of you that's been born again, you didn't meet a dead God. You met a risen God. You met a risen Lord. So it is this benefit first and foremost, which of course accounts for all the other benefits that we see in our nation, in our culture. To be transformed into the image of Christ. To be a transforming power. The church is supposed to be different. It's that resurrection of Christ that makes us different. It's the presence of God. We looked at that last week with the Passover. And one of the things that the Passover brought, one of the significance of the Passover was the presence of God was now a reality. And we can have that presence. We can experience his presence on a day-to-day. We have that treasure inside of us. The The third significance is that the resurrection provided our justification. Do we understand what justification is? It's a judicial act. A judicial act. And God is a judge and he, has, and he has heard all the charges against us and he has declared us not guilty. See, it's, it's the judicial department that can declare a law previously set unconstitutional and it can avoid out of law. See, by the law, we were all violators, right? But God, who is the judge by a judicial act, declared us righteous. He declared us justified. Just as if we had never sinned, right? God sees us that way. And that's why in Hebrews 4, it tells us that we can come boldly before God because we have been justified by the blood of Jesus, the risen Savior. Romans 4.25 says he was delivered over to death for our sins and he was raised to life for our justification. He was raised for our justification. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made Christ who never sinned to be an offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. What peace we get when we know that we're in right relationship with God. I just want to look at just quickly at some of the benefits of justification. And we see in Romans chapter 5 verses 1 through 11. I'm not going to read that entirely. But if you've got your Bibles, you can open to Romans 5 verse 1, starting with verse 1. And we just see six things that I just pulled out of this scripture that are, that are the benefits of justification. Do we even understand that? What if you went to the court knowing you were guilty of sin... You were caught red-handed, 
and you had a lawyer and you went to the judge and you were just hoping that you would get a reduced sentence. And the judge said, I'm declaring you not guilty. I know you did it, but I'm declaring you not guilty. Can you imagine how you, would you not run and skip out of that courtroom? Well, one of the first benefits of justification, according to Romans 5, one is that we have peace with God because we've been made right in his sight. We have peace with God. That's why it says a moment ago in Romans that we can come boldly into God's presence. Why do we do that? To obtain grace and mercy in our time of need. So we have that peace with God. Number, verse number 2 tells us that we have undeserved privilege or grace. We have undeserved privilege. You know, we can call upon the Lord. We can say, God, you promised me favor. I don't deserve it, but you've promised me favor because I'm trusting in you. I'm believing your word. I'm declaring your word. I'm walking in victory. I'm repenting when I mess up. And how many mess up? Right? He says if we mess up, we can just come before him, repent. And he says then he's faithful to forgive and to cleanse us. Number three, we can have joy in the midst of our trials because they work for our benefit. And that's Romans 5, verse 3 through 8. Number four, that we have freedom from condemnation because we have no guilt. Do you know what it's like to walk with no guilt? Freedom from condemnation. I remember when I first got born again, I was walking around all the time saying, God, forgive me, God, forgive me, God, forgive me. And finally one day he said, for what? And I had to stop and think, and I thought, wait a minute, I can't remember anything, but I just felt like I was supposed to be guilty. I didn't understand justification. I didn't understand what God had done for me. Number five is, in verse 10 says, we have salvation through Christ, and it is assured to us. And then number six, we have reconciliation to God by Christ. Verse, that's verse 11. We have been reconciled to God. See, we're no longer separated from God. We have been reconciled to God. And point number four, our significance of resurrection is that it promises us immortality. Immortality. What is immortality? It's the ability to live with God forever. 1 Corinthians 6, 14 says, By his power God raised the, the Lord from the dead. He will raise us also. That is a promise. He will, that is a promise. We look to God. We believe that. Romans 6, 5 says, If we have been united with him in death like his we will certainly also be reunited with him in a resurrection just like his. That's a promise. Romans 8, 11 says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The promise of immortality. 2 Timothy 1, 9 and 10. I want to close with this scripture. It says, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from the beginning of time, to show his grace through Christ Jesus. From the very beginning, as soon as man fell, God had a plan for redemption. God had a plan for restoration. And then it says, and now he has made all of this plain to us by appearing, the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death, and illuminated the way of life and immortality through the good news. So the good news is a message of immortality. It's a message of power. It's a message of peace. It's a message of justification. And it's a message of the new birth. What is the good news? The good news is the tomb is still empty. It's the message of the resurrection. The message is he is risen. It's the power of the gospel still available for us. The devil is defeated. 
Death, hell, and the grave are defeated and powerless. And we rule and we reign forever. Now, if you partook of communion a few moments ago, do we understand what that really means? I appreciate what Wayne said. It was so good. But the stripes on Jesus' back were for our healing, and that broken bread was for our healing. And I know there's people that need a miracle. You need a touch from God. There's people out there I know that are struggling with cancer. Some people have been given short notices to live, to survive. Let me tell you, nothing's greater than the name of Jesus. The resurrection power of Christ, every knee must bow to his name. And so if you're listening, I want you to place your hand on your body. We're going to pray for the sick. We do this every week here at Impact. And you know, we can't let a week go by that we don't take that opportunity. Number one, for Jesus to become Lord of your life. If you, need, if you need to make Jesus Lord of your life, you just simply say, God, I need you. That was my prayer 41 years ago. God, I just need you. I didn't know how to pray a, a prayer, a sinner's prayer. God, I need you. And that's all I knew was that I needed him. And, you know, I stood up in that little church. And I didn't see any lights go off or hear any bells go off. or I just knew I was different. I could not read enough of God's word. I went home that day and I could not get out of the word of God. Did I stumble along the way? You bet. But was God there? You bet. Was his grace always there? You bet. And I decided I was also going to believe the word of God. He said, he told to me, he said to me, you got to decide what you're going to believe. When I would read something, God, how is that possible? You've got to decide what you're going to believe. I made a decision. I don't care if I understand it or not, I believe it. I take it as truth. And when your word says you're the Lord God who heals all of our diseases, that's truth to me. The, Lord, the word says you lay hands on the sick, they recover. I began to lay hands on the sick and they would get well. It says you can cast out devils. And I began to cast out devils and it happened with the word of God in his name. So as we pray right now, I want to pray for every person here who is sick. And you need a healing power of God. Let me tell you, Psalm 103.3 says he forgives your sins, he heals every disease. That's the word of God. It tells us that by the stripes on his back, you were made whole. So, Father, we declare the life of healing into your people. We declare the word of healing, Father. Send your word and bring deliverance. Send your word and bring healing, Father God. Lord, I pray that every person, you'll give them a plan of healing, God. Many times people just need to make changes in their life, their natural life, Father God. I pray for total restoration in a natural life as your people, Father. I pray that we begin to walk in, in the way that you have created our natural bodies to live. And God, I know that there's some, Lord, who don't have time to recover, but I am asking you for a miracle for their lives. I'm asking you to touch people, Father. I'm praying for Dale, Father. I thank you, God, that she is healed and whole in Jesus' mighty name. I'm praying for Gary, Father God, that he is healed and whole in Jesus' mighty name. I'm, thank, I'm praying for Richard, Lord. Thank you that he's healed and whole in Jesus' mighty name. And God, many others, for Lana, thank you, God, that she's healed and whole. We declare life, we declare health, we rebuke a sentence of death off of these people, and we break the power of the enemy of fear and anxiety. And God, we just rejoice in you. We rejoice in our resurrected God, our risen Lord. We celebrate you today, Father God, and we bless you, we love you, we thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Hey there again. Thanks for tuning in.
tuning in to our online service. I hope you was encouraged as much as I was. Now, if you have any questions for us, don't hesitate to give us a call. We love you guys. We miss you. I hope you have a blessed week.